Let's uh, go to Colossians chapter 2. Here, the Apostle Paul is getting down to business. He loves, and, and really, there's nothing greater than winning somebody to faith in Jesus Christ. I I get to do it full-time. I wish that it happened full-time. I wish somebody asked me a question and said, why don't more people get saved? And I look and I go, I don't know. But Paul, part of his ministry was winning people to faith, but part of his ministry was warning as well. Because there are false faiths, false Christs, and false gospels. There in uh, uh, Colossians, back there in chapter 1, let me get there myself. Colossians chapter 1, verse 28, Paul says, Whom we preach, we preach Jesus, warning every man, teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. What do you warn them about? There's some hustlers out there. There are people out there that take advantage of your desire to believe. We're all wired to believe. That's why when you tell a child that a big fat guy coming down through a little chimney is going to bring gifts one, one night in the middle of uh, Christmas. So we, we were wired to believe, and so the devil loves to abuse that. Okay, So Paul expresses in this chapter a lot of worry, which we talked about last week. He gives some encouragement. He writes a letter to him. He tells him he's praying for him. He's with him in spirit. He gives him a command, and then he gives an intense warning, which is the remainder of the chapter from verse 8 on. Now, last week I said that Paul had a worry, and his worry was that believers were unsettled. They didn't know what to believe, and that's a terrible thing. Can you imagine going to church, and you don't know what to believe? Am I saved or am I not saved? Is, do I believe the Bible? Do I believe the preacher? Um, uh, do, 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 I, do I look for the Lord to come back at the beginning of the tribulation or at the end of the tribulation? See, there's all this kind of, well, I don't know what to believe. I, you know, when I pick up a can of tuna, I want to hope that it's got tuna in it. Amen? If I don't want tuna, I pick up Heinz beans. I don't want to get confused. And when you go to church, you need to know what it believes. You ought to, you ought to be settled in your faith. You may not agree with me on everything, but you ought to, we ought to have the ability to be settled about what we believe. Paul was worried that the believers were unsettled, that they were not knit together in love. I think it would be the most awful kind of church to go in where nobody knows each other and cares about each other. Paul said, I'm, I'm worried that you guys are supposed to be knit together in love. He was worried that they were not experiencing all the riches of assurance and confidence that's only in Christ. It's not in a church. It's not in a, a doctrinal statement or a creed. Because they didn't have an assurance, they were full of doubt. And then Paul was, worst of all, worried that some man or some woman would rob them. Look at chapter 2, verse 4. He says, and this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. Look down at verse 8. Beware, lest any man, and believe me, the devil will throw somebody in uh, at you that, that you are not suspecting and they have a power over you. Uh, and they'll spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the traditions of men and after the rudiments, the base things of the world, and not after Christ. You pick up a book and it's on prayer, and you think, "Oh, this will encourage me," and it and it messes with your mind, stops you, because uh, it twists and messes up how you how you understand the gospel, how you understand God, and, and how He answers prayer. So anyway, Paul had a worry. He spent some time encouraging them, and then he gives them a command. Look at verse six. He says, as you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, here's your command, so walk ye in him. How did you get saved? You got saved by faith, amen? 
You say you got saved by believing the Lord Jesus Christ. If you don't believe the gospel, will you ever get saved? Yes or no? No. You've got to believe. You've got to take a chance and say, God's right. And say, I believe you. That's how you get saved. Did you know that's how you're supposed to live? You have to take a chance and say, Lord, if you tell me i got to love, if you tell me I've got to forgive, if you tell me I've got to do something, I don't understand how, I don't want to do it, but I do it because I do it by faith. So the same way you got saved by trusting that he's right is how you live. That's all it is. You say, that's not complicated. Thank God. So... Uh-oh. A problem occurred. The devil is always... All right, here we are. Let's look at verse 8. Chapter 2, verse 8. Paul gives a warning. Verse 8, where... Uh, uh, see that word? What's the first word there? Say it real loud. Beware. Okay, so not all of the Bible is all sweet. What would you say? I thought I said Colossians 2.8. Okay, uh, beware. Oh, it should. <laughs> well, that was a mistake. It should be two, uh, verse eight. It says, beware. Now, not, the Bible's not all sweet and lovey and ooey gooey. Sometimes it's warning. So here's Paul saying, beware. Lest any man should spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men and after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. You know, uh, the word beware uh, is 26 times in your Bible is the word beware. Uh, Matthew 7, 15, beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravening wolves. Matthew 10, 17, beware of men. That's a good one for, for ladies. <laughs> beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils and they will scourge you in the synagogues. Matthew 16, 6 says, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. Speaking of the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Matthew 12, 38, Beware of the scribes, which love to go in long clothing and love salutations in the marketplace. You see these guys who want to be called father and are just like mother. And they walk around and their robes are flowing. What are they doing? Trying to attract attention to themselves, like they're more spiritual than the rest of us. And Jesus said, watch out for those guys. Beware of those guys. Uh, Luke 12, 1 says, beware ye again of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Luke 12, 15 says, take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consists not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. Luke 20, 46 says, beware of the scribes, which desire to lock, I already read this, and long robes and love greetings in the markets and the highest seats in the synagogues and the chief rooms. At feast, beware of them. Philippians 3, 2 says, beware of dogs. Now, that doesn't mean that Paul loved cats. It means that there were beware of people who act like dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision. It says, beware of people. Colossians 2, 8 says, beware lest any man spoil you. And 2 Peter 3, 17 says, beware lest ye also being led away with the air of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. What? I can blow it. I can fall away from my own steadfastness in Christ? Yes, you can. So Paul says, uh, um, well, let me give you my, I don't know why it doesn't have it up here. I might have missed it. But to beware means to be very aware. It's a squished word. It means to be very aware, all eyes open, 
being sensitive to your surroundings, wary of, to regard with caution, to restrain oneself from anything that may be dangerous, injurious or improper. To beware means to take care and to avoid what might kill you. (laughs) That's to beware. So Paul says we need to beware of some things. Let's see what we're supposed to beware of. First of being beguiled. There in chapter 2 and verse 4, it says, And this I say, lest any man should beguile you. Now, to beguile, he means to trick you, to deceive you. A good Irish word is snooker. And, and Paul says there are guys out there that will use enticing words. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 13. Deuteronomy chapter 13 and verse 6. Deuteronomy chapter 13 in verse 6. Let's see. Dean, would you read that? Deuteronomy 13, 6. If thy brother, if thy brother the son of thy mother, or thy son, or thy daughter, or the wife of thy bosom, or thy friend, which is as thy own soul, entice thee secretly, saying... Let us go and serve other gods which thou hast not known, thou nor thy fathers. All right, now, Moses is given a warning if your, if your brother, your sister, your cousin, your, your wife, your husband, if somebody that you trust comes along and entices you to go and serve another god, he goes on and he says, go not thou with him. That's all the way back in the Old Testament that people come along and they see you and you're trying to serve God and they go, I'm going to bring them down. Uh, Proverbs chapter 1. Miss Nita, Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 10. Wow, look at that word entice. So somebody comes along and they entice you, they lure you, they use you. Go to another one, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 4. Rodell. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 4. 4. Wow. So Paul, he was kind of, if he stood here and he preached, you know what some people would say? Boring. Because he didn't use fancy words and enticing words and words that would manipulate a crowd. You ever watch a politician? You ever watch them and, 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 and an entertainer? An entertainer knows their audience and knows how to get their audience in the palm of their hands. And Paul said, I don't do that. I don't use enticing words. So a real church, a great church, is sometimes one where if the, the pastor may not use fancy words and may stumble over words, but you know he's true. And you know what he's saying is right. He doesn't have to use enticing words to get you to agree. It's just right. Amen. So Paul says, I didn't use enticing words. So you got to be careful about how easily 
you are beguiled. And I, uh, I mean, I, uh, I've watched, um, these stupid programs on TV on the God channel and you sit there and you go, how does anybody get snookered into that? I, I don't understand. I just know millions do. They get beguiled by, put your hands on the TV. Feel the throbbing power of the Holy Spirit. They're being beguiled. So he says, beware of being tricked. Secondly, he says, beware of being robbed or mugged. I prefer that word so you get a better picture. Or spoiled. Look down at verse 8 back there in Colossians 2.8. Colossians 2.8. Beware lest any man spoil you. Now the old, in the old days, they didn't have the word mugging. They had robbery. But they had the word spoil. So the spoil, let me see. Uh, Gavin, get up here. I need to abuse you. I mean, use you for a moment. But Gavin here. Now, to spoil somebody does not mean you come up and you just say, give me all your money. Okay? Now, that's not how you spoil somebody. To spoil means to rob them, but to rob them without them knowing it. Can you imagine the best? Get your <laughs> hand out of here. It's my job. Amen. But... They have these guys, and you'll see them on television. They're entertainers, and they come along, and they just, just in a in a flash of their hand. Now, give me your which hand did you got to watch on? Have you got a watch? Oh my goodness, the modern generation has no watch. Anyway, I can't steal his watch, but (laughs) but a Paul says, beware that somebody comes along, and you've got your pocket in your vest, or you've got money in your not your you get your wallet in your vest, you got money in your pocket, you got keys or whatever. And this guy comes along, you are the best pal in the world, I'm telling you, I just, uh, you're just an incredible guy. And then when you walk away and that mugger walks away, he's got your wallet, he's got your driver's license, he's got your passport, he's got your keys, he's got everything, and you're going around, that guy uh, took advantage of me. He spoiled me, which means he robbed me. Now, in the old days, when when two armies would fight, the winning army got to have all the spoils, got to have all of everything that the defeated uh, army had. And I thought that we were on the winning side, amen? And yet, Christians can be spoiled by the devil still. That doesn't mean you lose your salvation, but you can lose a lot of things that God has given you. So, beware of being robbed. Third, this says it's not working for some reason. Um, third thing is beware of religious teachers. Go to Luke chapter 20. Luke chapter 20 and verse 46. Uh, Adelina. There in Colossians, I'll read it again. It says, beware lest any man should beguile you, or any man should spoil you. Now, here's Luke. Yes, ma'am. At the feast, but verse 47... The next verse, verse 47, tells you what to beware of. These guys who are walking around acting so holy, look what they end up doing. Verse 47. Verse 
Wow. So Jesus says, you watch out for these guys who come along and they say, oh, I'm so sorry for your loss. Now, these are widows who just lost their husband, which means this husband was their only means of income. And these religious hustlers would come along and go, I'm so sorry about the loss of your husband. Let me pray for you. And as they made long prayers, as they took advantage of this widow, this widow feels more and more guilty about this person praying for him, and they start turning over money to him. And they start saying, here, let me, let me, thank you for praying, but here, let me give a donation. And those hustlers take advantage of a widow. I'm pointing at you. <laughs> but they take advantage and they devour. They take up the life savings of a widow's house. You beware of when the bishop shows up at your funeral. Because <laughs> they're not there out of the altruistic, oh, I want to be your blessing. No, they need financing. So watch out for religious teachers. Uh, smooth talkers. People who want to get the modern Christian sucker to believe them instead of the Bible. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. We got some scripture to look at here. 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 4. Miss Susan. 2 Corinthians 11, 4. 2 Corinthians 11, 4. Yes, ma'am. Wow. So here's somebody coming along and he preaches another Jesus, he gives another spirit, and he presents another gospel, and Paul says... I worry that you might actually go for that instead of staying with the real thing. Watch out for religious people. Acts 20, verse 30. Brother Darren, Acts 20, 30. Start in verse 29, please. Mm. All right, who's supposed to be the master that disciples are supposed to follow? Jesus. And yet, you know why? There are over 20,000, quote, Christian groups, different groups all over the world, because everybody wants people to follow them. It's an abomination. There are people in our church, somewhere along the line, who are going to rise up, Paul says, and they're going to get tired of all this emphasis on on just Jesus, where they say, you know, I'm not being appreciated enough, and they've got some spiritual gift, and they want people to follow them. And Paul says, watch out for them. And, and the point is this. The point is this. Beware of people who are looking for people to follow them instead of Christ. That's why I have no time for Calvinism and hyper-Calvinism, because I don't want to talk about Calvin. I want to talk about Jesus. Amen. 
the Catholics constantly appeal to traditions and historical events and to saints and scholars. I want to appeal to Jesus. Jehovah's Witnesses constantly trash the Catholic Church and they go, well, you know the Catholic Church. They, they believe in the Trinity. Therefore, you shouldn't believe in the Trinity. Like, wow, that's supposed to be big. But they constantly appeal to everything instead of the scriptures. Charismatics, they focus on supernatural revelations and miracles and the leading of the Spirit. I want to be led by Jesus Christ. I don't, if I'm as carnal as the day is long, I can look at the Bible and I know I'm wrong because I see how Jesus lived. If I'm as dense as a brick, I don't have to have the Holy Spirit open my eyes. I can open my own. I see it right there in the book. Amen. You need to examine all, all religious teachers, including me. Second Peter chapter two, verse one, Miss Sharon. Second Peter two, one. Yes. So just like there were false prophets back in the old days, there are going to be false teachers now. And they'll bring in what kind of doctrines? All right, so what you believe can secure your trip to heaven or it can damn your soul. You better make sure you know what to believe. It's that serious. Revelation chapter 2, verse 2. Okay, let's see. I'm going to take a guess. It's Ruth. Yes. It was only a guess. <laughs> uh, Ro- uh, Revelation chapter 2, verse 2. <clears throat> Amen. Wow. So somebody stands up one of these days. If anybody ever stood up in this pulpit and says, I'm Apostle Jones, put him to the test. Because you ought to be able to tell, "Ah, if you're an apostle, I know how to test you and find him out to be a liar. Amen. You see, oh, you're, you're, you're blaspheming the Holy Spirit because your questioning is not right. You should be able to put him to the test and find him out to be a liar. So test really, of all people, you are, you have to test religious teachers. Of all, don't just say, oh, they look so holy. Oh, that's a wonderful family. What are they, Mormons? Oh, let's, let's go to their group. Be careful because you will be beguiled. You will be spoiled. You'll be robbed when you're living by that type of approach. Let's go to Revelation chapter 20, uh, chapter 2 verse 18 now. If that was Ruth, Heather, uh, is next. Heidi. I said Heather. <laughs> I was so ahead, and now I blew it. Revelation chapter 2, verse 18, 19, and 20. Heidi. Thyatira. Thank you. 
All right, so the word suffer there just simply means you allow a Jezebel-type woman to teach and to influence Jesus' my people and to get them to feel it's okay to fornicate and to serve idols. And Jesus says, you better get that thing right. You've got to test and say, well, I believe in women preachers. Prove it in the Bible. Well, I believe in this. Well, I believe, I follow so-and-so. I I want to know what's say at the scripture because it is serious out there. There's enough confusion out there to keep you busy for a hundred lifetimes. Religious teachers need to be examined. Paul didn't mind being examined. He said in 2 Corinthians 12, 12, he says, truly the signs of an apostle were done among you. I proved who I was, Paul said. I don't mind that. He also said, beware of highly educated teachers. Go to Romans chapter 1, verse 21. Brother uh, Tony, Rome. Romans chapter 1, 21 and 22. Wow. That's that's the hallmark over most universities. They profess themselves to be very wise, and yet they become what? Fools. So be careful of highly educated people. First Timothy six and verse twenty, Miss Dina. First Corinthians six twenty. Okay, so be careful not to allow science falsely so-called. What does that mean? Fake news. (laughs) Things that people say evolution is a proven fact. You can look at them and laugh. It is not a proven fact. And don't be afraid of evolution. Don't be afraid of scientists and all these guys and things like this. Highly educated doesn't mean anything when it comes to the Word of God. They're all going to take about 500 years to catch up with the Bible. Uh, uh, don't be put out by oppositions of false science. So highly educated, don't trust. That means do not trust men and women when they speak for God. I have an advanced revelation. I got it eating pizza last night. Okay? No. Somebody speaks for God. You know what you've got? God has already spoken. There is, if, if, if there's anything that you need to settle, I have the Word of God. I don't need somebody to tell me what He said. I can read it for myself. I need to be reminded of it. I need to be told to look at it. I need to be encouraged to obey it. But no one needs to tell me what God said. I've got it. Do not trust men or women. Do not trust visions. Oh, by the way, how do you get up there? Uh, you know what the Bible says? Every man's a liar. I told you about one of the women up in Mallow. She found her life verse. I always ask people, what's your life verse? And her life verse is, every man's a liar. <laughs> but I, uh, Bible says, do not trust people, whether they're Pope John Paul, or whether they're Charlie Darwin, whether they're Richard Dawkins, or Aristotle, or Socrates, or Plato, or Oscar Wilde. 
Don't worry about Bertie Hearn and what he says. Don't worry about Benny Hinn. Don't and ignore Paula White, Joyce Myers, and make sure you ignore Pastor Craig Ledbetter. Pay attention to that book. That's that thing. If I cross and, and go against it, I say, well, you know, that, that's, that's an unfortunate rendering and it should be translated this and really that verse shouldn't be in there. Fire me. Amen. Do not trust men or women when they speak for God. God has already spoken. You got me? Visions, miracles, or even angels. If an angel appears at the foot of your bed and starts telling you what God says, walk out, man. There was a, there was a bad time in Martin Luther's life. He was being hunted. He was hiding and he was uh, pretty stressed out. He couldn't sleep for nights on end. And there he was sitting there and he was trying to translate some of the New Testament there, but he was burned out. He was tired. It was three o'clock in the morning and he laid down there and there's a little flicker of his candle there and he decided I better go blow that out. But before he got up to blow it out, he heard a voice out of the other corner, Martin. <laughs> the hair stood on the back of his neck and old Martin, he writes this in his journal later on. He said he heard this voice and this shadow there said, Martin, you've taken too much on you. You're trying to fix a church. Just come home. Just come on back to Rome. Just come on back and, and just honor the Pope and you'll be fine. Don't worry about the Bible. People will find God on their own. You know what he got up? He got up and he picked up a, a inkwell and he threw it in the corner. He says, go back to hell, devil. Under all that stress, he had enough wherewithal to say, whatever voice is trying to go against the scriptures is not of God. So visions, miracles, or even angels. Paul said, if I, if, if even I or an angel speak against what you already know to be true, let him be cursed. Let him be anathema. Do not even trust yourself. I mean, this, this idea, and, and we live in an age where we don't trust anything, but we sure trust ourselves. Amen. And don't trust your own feelings. Don't trust your own conclusions. Always seek counsel. Always test what you think. Every man is a liar, as already said there. By the way, that's how most Christians live in the hands of someone else instead of God. Would you, would you be willing? I mean, look, you guys are a different kettle of fish, but there are people who send gobs of money and they risk everything at the, at the statement of somebody on a television or a, or a, uh, a vision that somebody had and they write about. When what you've got is a book in your hands, go to Acts chapter 17 and we'll finish with this thought. Acts chapter 17 and I'll ask Gina. Acts 17, 10 and 11. So they go into a synagogue, people already go in there to open the scriptures, but here's Paul and he begins to preach and what they do? Stop, Paul! Where's that? What verse? Hold on, let me find it. And they search the scriptures themselves to make sure what Paul was saying was so. So, only trust the book in your hand. I mean, just realize what a gift you've got right there in your hand. Unless it's an iPad. 
What a gift you have. It's, it's the way for a church to stay stable. Best kind of church is where everybody's got a Bible. Amen. I watched that guy, I bet you didn't, I mean, it was a long time ago, back there in 1993. It was an awful, awful church shooting. They talked about this church shooting over there in, in San Antonio last week. That was not the worst church shooting ever. The worst church shooting ever was done by the, by the, um, uh, alcohol, tobacco, and firearms under, uh, Bill Clinton when he sent in a group and they ended up killing 70 people at David Koresh's rural Waco compound. 70 people and children all died at the hands of the American government. That was the worst church massacre in Texas, by the way. But anyway, the point is, David Koresh had a cult and he had hundred and some odd people there. And you know, every time you saw David Koresh, he had a Bible in his hand and everybody up there in their stands, not one of them had a Bible. They're enamored by David Koresh. And that's churches all over. I've sat in churches where there's no Bibles anywhere. And I'm wondering, this can't be a church. The safest church, the safest place to be is where everybody's got a Bible, amen? And everybody's opening up and looking at themselves. All right, we got to stop there. i got a ton more, but we're going to stop there. Let's bow in prayer. Father, we've already had a great day and a blessing tonight. What love, what a great song we heard by the choir. What love. And what a Savior. We've got to meet together and hear preaching both Sunday morning and Sunday night. We've got to sing. We've got to be together and remember our Lord and His death and His victory. We've been reminded and warned from the Bible about being careful who we listen to and the influences and the spiritual influences. I think we've got a full plate. Thank you for taking time for us. Lord, you could have abandoned us. You could just say, just go on your way and find your way, but you didn't. You call us together. We're a church. We're called out from the world to spend time together and to hear your word and to be changed. And I pray that, Lord, you would encourage your people tonight. We've got, we got a new week. It means new problems, new battles. Go with us, please, as you promised. Lift our hearts. Bless your people. Bless us as lights in this world. May we truly be harmless in this world and have such an impact that transforms the hearers into hungry hearers, ready for the gospel. I pray you dismiss us, Lord, as we get ready to go home. Lord, we love you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for all today. In Jesus' name, amen.